Father, thank you so much for this uh, opportunity uh, to read your word, to hear from you. And I pray, Father, that uh, you would speak through me uh, and that uh, what is good and right sticks, uh, what is not uh, would be forgotten and that you would be glorified and that the saints would be strengthened uh, in the right way. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in 1 Peter, as you can see. Uh, we're going to focus on uh, verse 3 to 5 this morning, uh, specifically. And uh, first thing to say is that uh, 1 Peter is written to believers. So, uh, it's, and it's a general letter, which means it's written uh, ver- uh, general over against a specific situation. It's general, as you can see in verse 1, it's written to uh, the exiles, uh, scattered throughout uh, the provinces of uh, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. So it's a, it's a wide area. Peter probably doesn't know every single issue that's going on with, uh, amongst every single person. But he writes to Christians generally who are in uh, various trials. Um, and so this letter is uh, written to, into that context. Uh, and so what we read this morning is uh, addressing uh, what Peter sees as general trials for Christians, which means that there's a word here for us today as well, uh, because we are Christians uh, who go through Christian trials. Uh, but uh, perhaps you're here today and you're not uh, a Christian, uh, perhaps you're uh, still sceptical, um, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing here for you either. Uh, welcome, by the way, uh, n- Christianity is not an exclusive club uh, for only people who have done the right thing or uh, manage to sort their lives out. So welcome to the pack uh, if, you, if there's something wrong with you. Um, uh, listen in and uh, hear a little bit more about Christianity this morning. So overall what Peter's doing, uh, I think, is he's saying, although you are in trials, stand firm in the grace of God. Although you are in trials, Stand firm in the grace of God. And so what Peter wants to, at at this opening section, he's he's got a condensed uh, pack of gospel truths to uh, strengthen their faith, to warm their hearts, to lift their eyes. He's presenting to them in the letter as a whole, but here at the front as well, uh, what the grace of God is, and he's inviting them in to stand firm in the grace of God. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to focus in on just two gospel truths in this opening section in verse 3 to 5. Just two gospel truths. And you could summarize them something like this. Uh, the one is, the, is um, what God has done uh, to you and what God has got for you. Uh, on the one hand, the first, what God has done to you is he's caused you to be born again. And what God has for you is an inheritance. So there's two, there are two truths, two gospel truths for trialed travellers that we're going to look at this morning. Now, let's just think a little bit more about why these are needed in this context and why they're needed for us today as well. Paul's writing into a situation where there are trials. I'm going to break those trials up just very quickly into two broad categories. There's war without and war within. What do I mean by war without? War without is the external trials that come upon believers. 
Now, I think that they're unique trials in this letter, although various trials, you can perhaps push that out wider. That's, we can discuss that another day. But I think they're uh, unique Christian trials. It's war, so under the category of war without, you've got uh, two other um, general arenas. One is that there's rejection. There's rejection perhaps at work uh, because they've spoken the truth on a controversial topic and uh, it's caused them to be rejected at work. It's perhaps because they've acted with integrity in the workplace. They no longer engage in the same kind of uh, dodgy dealings that they did in the past because they've become born again and that has meant that, uh, that it's put them in a, a situation at work that is difficult. Perhaps, they're, perhaps it's being fired, perhaps it's losing their work, uh, perhaps they were involved in... Uh, uh, pagan um, things in the past and that's not the case anymore. Uh, perhaps it's a family, it's rejection from family. Either you're a child who's, been, who's become a believer and you've been disowned by your parents or, or you're a parent who's become a believer and disowned by your children. Perhaps it's tr uh, rejection in the marriage. Uh, Peter speaks in chapter 3 about uh, wives who, whose husbands, even if they don't believe, uh, so th and that would be the case with um, us, t uh, us today here, there'll be wives whose husbands don't believe, there'll be husbands whose wives don't believe. Uh, being a Christian brings trials from without. It might be old friends who think now that you're foolish because you've uh, started to follow Christ. They think that you're missing out on what they're doing because you're now following Christ. They think that you're a little bit crazy because you're following Christ. So you lose old friends. Secondly, the war without, I think, this is an interesting thing about 1 Peter, is that I think it's maybe not prim maybe primarily, uh, but at least uh, a heavy element is verbal. Now, you may have heard before, sticks and stones will break my bones, but that's rubbish. Um, <laughs> names will hurt you. And it's, it's somewhat comforting to see Peter recognise and acknowledge the power of words and the influence that words can have on us and what it can feel like to have words of rejection, being insulted, being told that you're foolish, etc., uh, etc. Et words matter, and Peter acknowledges that. Peter knows that, because, and God knows that. Verbal pain is real pain. So the old thing about, yes, but at least you're not being beaten. Yes, maybe, but let's not minimise uh, the impact that uh, it can have on us. Uh, that's the war without. Uh, the war within is uh, interesting. It's come up this morning already. And here's a text for that to put some uh, uh, biblical backbone into that uh, um, that statement that we've, we've heard a couple of times this morning, that we still, though, born, though changed our hearts as Christians, we have an ongoing war within. And, and that's seen in uh, chapter uh, 2, verse 11, uh, where it says, uh, I urge you uh, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul." He's talking to people who are born again but still have a daily war waging within their soul from desires that are left over from the old man that we're not going to be rid of until the resurrection. And finally, these trials are fiery. 
Peter says later on, didn't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. And I think that's just worth uh, uh, noticing. Uh, It's just that perhaps you're feeling some of the things that I've mentioned this morning and you're aware of that, uh, of those trials, and they're hard. Standing up for Christ in the workplace is hard. I know a guy who's caught in a a web of problems and he's the middleman and acting with honesty and integrity in his context could mean his, the end of his job. He's got a baby on the way and so there's an income uh, that is at stake. Standing up for Christ is hard and it could be costly and that shouldn't be diminished. People in in marriages whose partner does not believe can be really, really hard. Losing friends, financial loss, being fired, being isolated, being singled out in the workplace as the Christian, you're different, you, you don't quite fit in. All those things are hard. So that's what Paul, uh, Peter's speaking into. And let's come back now and let's think about the two things that he wants to say. On the one hand, so let's start here, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The first thing Peter addresses here is what God has done to you. He's done the best thing to you. Now, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, blessed be God because he has made you rich. Blessed be God because he has made sure that you've all got A's. Blessed be God because he has given you great, godly, humble, honest political leaders. Praise God. Praise God because he's given you the tips for sustainable resources so that the planet can go on forever. Praise God. What a thing he's done for us. Now, I don't want to minimise those things because probably some prickle will come back from that and say, oh, no, 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 those things are important. Yeah, those things are important, but that's not where Peter goes. Peter says, praise God Because in his great mercy, he's given us new birth. And maybe that's a slight challenge there, straight off. Is that where you would go? Because he's praising God because of a great answer he's given to us. And answers usually uh, uh, give clues as to what you think problems are. So, Peter, straight off the bat, is reorienting the believers to to a real problem... With, that, has been, that God has provided a real solution. Praise God that he's given us new birth. So let's just think about what is this new birth because at one level that sounds a bit strange. Um, uh, praise God that he's caused us to be born again. I physically haven't been born again. Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John, he says, you know, how can a person go back into his mother's womb? What are you talking about? Uh, obviously that can't happen. Now to understand this, First thing is to get the first birth right. So if there's been a new birth, what was the first birth? The first birth is that everybody is born into Adam. That's the way the Bible presents it. All humanity traces their line up and you get to Adam and everybody by natural birth is born into Adam. 
Now, you might have an objection here. Somebody, objection. Adam's not real. Two things to say. If you take away Adam, you need to provide a solution. It's one thing to deconstruct somebody's argument, but you need to create a new argument in its place, provide something for it. If you take away Adam, here's two things that you don't have an answer for. You don't have a foundation for equality. Because people aren't equal. You do have a foundation for racism. And historically, that has happened. So there are two things that you don't have. The Bible says we all come from Adam, there is equality, and racism is wrong. And it says we are all equal. The catch is, it just says we're all equally bad. We're all equally corrupt, we're all equally sinful. And the second thing is, about the first birth, is that it's into Adam and it results in death. And that's the biggest issue. That's why, blessed be God, because he's given us new birth, because he's dealt with the problem of death. Everybody in Adam dies. That is the biggest issue. Again, you might say, no, 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 death is part of life. Death is just a part of life. Well, one, pragmatically, that doesn't really work because nobody is going, oh, our child is um, seemingly very ill. Death is just a part of life. So maybe they'll just die tonight, I suppose. Nobody's doing that. Nobody is just living thinking, well, people are dying, doesn't matter how you drive on the roads, uh, death is just a part of life. Emotionally, it doesn't work either. Probably most of us have been to a funeral. It's a weeping and wailing moment because there's something wrong with death. Death is bad. Emotionally, it resonates with us. Practically, we don't live in society in that way. We try yeah, so hard to avoid it because death is real, death is scary, death is painful, uh, and death is bad. So everybody in the first birth is born into Adam, and what you're born into is sin, corruption, and death. But through the gospel of Christ, God has caused us to be born again, to a new gospel, how did, uh, to, a new, uh, to a new birth. And how does this happen? It happens in chapter 1, verse 23. You have been born again uh, through, uh, through the living and enduring word of God. So the gospel is preached, somebody believes, they trust in Christ, and you are born again. You trust in Christ that his death becomes, so this is the first life, his death becomes your death, and you die with him as you believe upon him. Say, yes, what he did, his death, that's what I needed to happen to me, so I'm dying. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, coming up as just as he was raised from the dead. I also am being raised from the dead into new life. Uh, and so, hear the gospel, trust in Christ, out of Adam, new birth into a new life. And uh, there are two, thi there's, uh, uh, two things about this, new birth that Peter uh, picks up on. Uh, sorry, one thing here. Uh, into a living hope. So what was death in Adam is life in Christ. Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Just as Jesus Christ is alive and you, uh, you too 
who have trusted in Christ have entered into a new life, a new living life. Now, you might say, yes, but the resurrection. What about the resurrection? Everybody knows people don't rise from the dead, so the resurrection is not legit. On the one hand, the, the old argument that everybody believed in miracles back then, and so, you know, of course they just wrote resurrection in Scripture because that's what people believed. That's not actually even in the Bible. Mary was going to uh, anoint Jesus in the tomb with spices because she thought that he was dead. So at least those, that group of people were surprised by the resurrection. It wasn't just the case that, oh, everybody just believes in a resurrection. Secondly, taking Mary along uh, as, a, as, a, as a witness to the resurrection is not good uh, propaganda, as you've probably heard before, uh, that, that, that the testimony of a woman at that particular period was, uh, wasn't as credible as a man, so using a woman's testimony, that doesn't work either. Thirdly, uh, you've got people who uh, then go on as the centre of their message is the resurrection from the dead, who are willing to die for the resurrection from the dead. If you know that it's not true... That's a strange way to start out a religion with something that you know isn't true and is at the centre of your message and then be willing to die for it. And three, then because it's the centre of the message of Christianity, we need to do something with, uh, we need to explain the phenomena that is Christianity. So through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have been born again, your biggest problem of death has been solved, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Just as, Jesus, just as certain as Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, you too have been born into a living hope. Two more things he says about this new birth. First thing, uh, and they're connected, it's caused by God, and it's according to mercy. This particular um, translation just has he's given us new birth. Uh, the way that it actually it works is it's praise be to God, uh, the one who has caused us to be born again. So just as you didn't cause your first birth, so you didn't cause your second birth. Uh, John says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, whoever believes has been born of God. Whoever believes has been born of God. So it's, it's, it was something that God did. Not only did God do it, he did it according to mercy. It wasn't just the case that we were dying. It's the case that we didn't deserve life. Praise God that he has caused us to be born again according to his mercy. So the reason why that why add that, you might say, Peter? Why add that? Here's, here's I think, why. Because at, at the foundation of the thing that's happened to you is not you. It's not how good you did or, or how clever you were. There wasn't something in you. There's nothing in you that created this. So the foundation of it isn't you. That's, that's helpful. It's God and it's according to his mercy. So that means, and not only so, Peter, Peter adds on top of that in terms of comforting the believers is that in their trialed situation to give them strength to stand in the grace, 
is to know that God started the thing in you. And look at verse 5. He started the work in you, verse 5, who are shielded by God's power. He started and he's continuing the work in you of being born again to a living hope. When the storms of life are coming, the anchor is not in us, the anchor is in God, in what he has done, is doing and will do. The second thing that uh, this does for Peter, so why say this, Peter? It sets a perspective right in the midst of a trial. The biggest thing is death. Christ has given me life. I've been born again through an imperishable seed. What was perishable is now imperishable. It's a living hope. There is immortality has been given. Not only so, but it's born again into a new family where there's shame and dishonor, perhaps in the workplace, in the family. There is honor because you've been born into a new family and God is your father. God is your father. What honour is given to believers? And thirdly, it says that death is not the end. Death is not the end. In the midst of your trial, perhaps right back in there as you go, why am I afraid of this? Why is this a concern? Why is this? Ah, because of this. Why is that? Ah, because of this. Why is that? Ah, because of this. Because at the end of the day, I might die. I'm going to lose my job. What's going to happen then? Then I'll be, I don't know what will happen then. Then I'll be X, I'll be homeless. Then I'll be, maybe, I'll be, maybe it'll be disease. Maybe it'll be, I don't know, maybe it'll be cold and then I'll be dead. Maybe I'll, uh, or something along those lines. So death is not the end. It gives you courage in the face of suffering uh, and, it gives it, uh, and it gives you courage in your witness. But what, so what is the end? If death is not the end, if you've been born again to live in hope, what is the end? That's the second thing that Peter says. You've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and I think now what happens is hope gets expanded. Uh, It fattens out on hope to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading and kept in heaven for you. To an inheritance that is, let's look at a couple of things about the inheritance. It is, it couldn't get better. It couldn't get better. It's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Just as your current circumstance is filled with things that perish, things that are defiled by sin, and things that fade away in glory, the inheritance that is stored up for you because of the new birth is tarred by none of those things. People won't die. Houses won't get smashed. Sin won't spoil holidays. How many? T- <laughs> I'm so often looking for the uh, for, for the imperishable, undefiled, and unfading moment uh, that never comes. <laughs> Here is the moment. Everything is right. Uh, Actually, you know what's a funnier story than my story? It's somebody else's story. A guy I was just talking to recently, he's, he's been working hard, he's got a moment with his, uh, <laughs> with his wife, 
All the stars have aligned, right? Uh, the restaurant, the kids have been looked after, and uh, he's just he's sitting down, he's just, he's just put his feet back, and his wife says, you know, good that we've got this moment. Um, I just wanted to talk to you about a couple of character issues. <laughs> anyway, I resonate with that. Not just because of the character issues, but just because, just when you think, every, here's the moment, here is the, here is the imperishable, undefiled and unfading moment, sin comes crashing in. Either your own, somebody else's, something perishes, you think, oh yes, this is the, yes, restaurant, got the meal, and ooh, I ordered the wrong thing, didn't I? Uh, or the holiday that just, gosh, did that, those two weeks, they're gone already. The inheritance that is stored up for you, the, 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 the world that is coming for you, doesn't let you down. It's perfect in quality. The second thing is that it couldn't be safer. It's kept in heaven. That's the first thing. Look at uh, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. God is keeping the inheritance. This is not something that can be taken away. God is the guardian. He's keeping the inheritance in heaven. And he's guarding you through faith. Next thing is, is that it's, uh, it's near. Verse 5. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed. Third thing is that it is final. It's ready to be revealed in the last time. The end is coming, and it's soon. Peter says in chapter 4, 7, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be sober-minded and self-controlled for the sake of your prayers. The end of all things is at hand. That will be the end of suffering. So for you, believer, that will be the end of the trial. Peter wants to say here, he wants to get the inheritance in their sights where their hope should be set. He wants to show them how beautiful that inheritance is in terms of its quality. He wants to show them that it is so safe and secure, more safe and secure than all the changing, insecure, unstable things in this world. Whereas we've seen, uh, very sadly, uh, uh, the hurricane sweeping through and just taking it away like that. The man whose business in Iraq, he, 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 he spends all this money to make a business and then uh, IS comes through and that's the end of that. This one is kept. This one is near. This one is perfect. This one is final. But for those who are unbelievers, that finality doesn't mean rest. It means judgment. And so there's a sober moment here as well. It's a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. It's a deliverance ready to be revealed in the last time. But there is a judgment for the unbeliever. Turn! 
if you're an unbeliever. Sometimes the Christian message is what you're doing with your life right now is letting you down and it's, it's making your life rubbish. That is true and that's part of it. But the other side is, and it's bringing the wrath of God, so flee. Run away from the city of destruction. Oh, how we need that message as well today. Not just Jesus is better than sex, drugs and rock and roll and career and education and whatever else it might be, but flee from the wrath of God and find refuge in Christ because it's not just that it's letting you down, you're making yourself an enemy of God. Finally, and this is really important for us, is that it's not yet. The inheritance is not yet. Peter lifts up their eyes. You've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. It's in heaven. It's not yet. It hasn't all happened yet. You don't see it now. We live by faith now. Christianity will get skewed if we think that it's now. If we think that it's not something that's future and coming, that's kept in heaven, everything will get skewed. We'll have the wrong expectations. We'll have the wrong hopes. We'll counsel people in the wrong way. Because it'll all be about how to fix your problem now. That is just going to that is just going to keep tripping us up day after day after day because you get the the first thing one thing will get out of the way you'll solve that you'll trip on the next thing the next thing you try to solve you'll trip on the next thing the next thing you solve you trip on the next thing the next thing you solve and then you'll die and how many of us even older people does that resonate with have you arrived have you thought to yourself yeah I don't, inheritance, future, here, got it. What are you talking about? No hope there for me, no encouragement. Just, just happy as I am. This is a trap for people. People are still thinking, old people even, 70 plus, still thinking, no, 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 I'm going to get there. I'm getting there now. It sets the wrong expectations. It can cause those who are weak in faith to grow up disenchanted by the Christian life because they've been told that inheritance is now. Inheritance is kept in heaven. You don't see it. It's not yet. That's not to say that there are no blessings in the Christian life. That's not to say that it's... I'm not saying let's all wallow as we wait. That's not the answer. In fact, it's, it's actually the opposite. Peter says in 2 Peter, if we know that the earth is... You know, if we know that things are coming to the end this way, how holy must we be in our living? What kind of people ought we be? as we await the coming of our Lord. That's actually the biblical response. So the argument that, oh, it's going to lead to complacency or uh, just to kind of a woe is me, smash the earth, do whatever you like, sit around until Jesus comes back. Uh, yeah. There, there might, there's an answer. Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. That's not what the Bible teaches. One of my favourite lyrics is, just as we come into close, and this is about this inheritance because I need to hear this all the time. I'm totally 
uh, trying to build my castle here. It's like a little impulse in me, you know. Uh, get my house right, get everything right, get the backyard right, get, get my finances right, uh, get everything sorted so that I can have that perfect scenario uh, and just finish with my sin. <laughs> and one of my favourite lyrics is by Isaac Watts. And if you've got an email from me, you'll see it at the bottom. It says, uh, when I can, uh, the bit before it is, when I can read my title clear, and this is actually, uh, Joe might have a laugh uh, later. I always get lyrics wrong, so <laughs> this might not actually be the lyrics, for the first part at least. I know the, ne- I know the, I know the, I know the part that I like, uh, but the first part, uh, you know. When I can read my title clear, ten mansions beyond this life, and I bid farewell to every fear and wipe my weeping eyes, and I will bathe my weary soul in seas of heavenly rest. I bid, I bid farewell to every fear, and I wipe my weary eyes, and I will bathe my soul in seas of heavenly rest. Peter wants to lift up your eyes. You've been born again by God according to his mercy. The foundation is not in you to an inheritance that is perfect, that is kept, that is near, that is final for you who are guarded by God. Set your hope fully there. Set your hope fully there in the midst of your trials, your wars without and your wars within. So as we close, Peter wants you to see the grace of God and stand firm in it. Sometimes when we hear this and we see Peter, praise be to God, our response can be actually that we feel condemned because we think, man, that's not me. The end of all this wasn't praise be to God for me. Maybe it's because we think, I'm not that excited. I don't think that death is that, that. That's not my biggest problem. I'm not so stunned about being born again. The inheritance is not there. And we end up feeling uh, just condemned. That's not what Peter wants to do. That's not what Peter's doing. It's an invitation. Come in. Come in and praise God with me. That's not, that's not Peter's intention here with these words. It's to encourage and strengthen you. God has done good for you. God has got good for you. Rejoice. Praise God. Perhaps there is some repentance that needs to happen. Perhaps you do have have had wrong priorities. You are building, like myself, building your own castle. Perhaps it's you're building your retirement plan. Perhaps it's video games all day. Perhaps it's TV and box sets. Perhaps you've got wrong hopes. It's that my children will be educated and everything will be safe and everything is landing on that. Perhaps it's safety. Safety is the thing that I'm... That's where I've got all my hopes set on. Safe house, safe town, safe country. Perhaps it's wrong fears, fears of man rather than God. Perhaps it's cowardice in the workplace you need to repent of. Perhaps it's cowardice in school. Perhaps it's cowardice in university. Perhaps it's complacency with your holiness as you wait for the coming of the Lord. Perhaps there is some repentance to be done. But don't terminate there. Don't terminate there. Have faith. Believe God for his grace and his mercy that he has caused you to be born again. Set your hope on 
uh, the promise that he has made of eternal life. And finally, praise and rejoice. Meditate on what God has done. Rejoice in what God has done. Set your hope on what God has done. And praise God with Peter. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Father, we praise you uh, because according to your mercy, you have caused us to be born again. God, praise be to you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that we are no longer in Adam, but we are in Christ. That we have, that we have been born again to immortality. That death doesn't have the final word for us. God, thank you for this in the midst of our trials. Thank you that there is an inheritance that is stored up for us, that is kept by you. Thank you that we are being guarded by faith, by your power. God, we praise you for what you have done to us, what you have done for us, what you have got for us. You are so good. We praise you and we ask, Lord, that you would lift our eyes this week and weeks beyond to meditate on these truths, to set our hope fully there in the right place where you tell us to set it. We pray, God, that you would help us to live holy lives, godly lives that would win others, that would honour you in our workplace and in our school and in our homes as we wait for that salvation that is ready to be revealed. In Jesus' name, amen.